Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kerry. Uh, you might be wondering, too, just as Kerry shared that about, you know, what happened in Florida, obviously, we will be looking for ways to partner with Convoy of Hope. It's an Assemblies of God ministry that comes to the aid of where there are natural disasters and things that happen. And so we will be looking to partner with them as a church. And any giving that you give to Project Impact equips us and empowers us to do that. So thank you as well, not just for your regular giving, but for when you give to Project Impact that equips us to respond in situations like this and to send needed aid and resources to ministries like Convoy of Hope to give the care that they need. So, man, we're so glad you're here today. Welcome to GT Church. Uh, my name is Scott. I serve as the lead pastor. And if you're new today, man, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, it's going to be a good day. I believe God has something for every one of us. I always believe that when I stand on the stage, and so I often say that. Even for those of you joining us online, God has something for you. Uh, he wants to speak something to you. And I, I pray today that, you know, the Holy Spirit would customize uh, my message to your life. Uh, I, I have one message, not 500. There's one message today, but the Spirit of God can take the message that I share and he can customize it to every person in this room and allow you to extract from the word what you need today uh, to thrive in your life and to serve God. I want to celebrate uh, what happened here yesterday. We had a baby dedication uh, ceremony in our Next Gen Center. We had 12 families dedicate their children to the Lord yesterday. Yes. Beautiful families, beautiful babies, and a beautiful moment we shared yesterday as they, as parents, devote themselves to Christ and to raising their children in the fear and admonition of Jesus. And then, of course, we dedicated the children to God and his purpose. So that was an amazing moment yesterday. Um, also, I want to let you know before I start the message today that we are going to be bringing back a ministry that had taken a break for a while. We had, for eight years, we had a healing ministry at GT Church. And we are resurrecting that healing ministry uh, in the coming weeks. This has been on my heart for a while. I've been working with a team now of volunteers and some of our pastors to build a team and prepare a ministry. And so starting next Monday, October 10th, our healing ministry will come back to life, um, symbolically of what God wants to do uh, in you, too, to bring life into your situation. Uh, they will be available to pray with people on Monday nights from 7 to 8.30 and on Saturday mornings from 10 to 11.30 a.m. They're going to use the Next Gen Center areas uh, to pray. Uh, and so, again, if you have a need, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, relational, financial, any need at all, it doesn't just have to be sickness. We, our teams, will be delighted to stand with you in faith and believe God for your situation, for your need in your life. And so we are excited to see this ministry come back to life here at GT Church. All you need to do, of course, pray with us, but um, if you want to receive prayer by our healing ministry team, you need to call the church office. We want to make sure that we have a team ready for you and that if, you just, if people just show up randomly, then the team can't care properly for everyone who comes. And so if you call the church office, you can schedule an appointment with a team on a Monday night or a Saturday morning. Just call the church office, 610-678-0266, 
And um, you can get that number online. Don't worry, you don't have to write it down. But um, you schedule an appointment, and our team will love to stand with you in faith and believe God for his touch in your life. So again, not tomorrow night, but the next Monday, the 10th, that ministry will get off the ground. And we're believing God for miracles, signs, and wonders to follow them that believe. Amen, church? Come on, I'm excited about that. So um, we are on week two of a series I began last Sunday called It Doesn't Make Sense. And um, this is a series where I'm teaching on biblical stewardship and finance, uh, talking about money that makes people uncomfortable sometimes in the church, but you can just be at ease today. I'm not going to make you uncomfortable. Uh, But we are going to talk about biblical principles that I think can help you in your life, whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years or 40 minutes, uh, God's got something and can help you in this area of your life. And I would encourage you, if you were not able to see last Sunday's message, find time this week to watch it. I think it would really be helpful to you to get the whole context of these four weeks of teaching and preaching. Um, And that was the foundational message that I shared last Sunday. So if you have time this week to go to our website, Go to the message archive and watch last Sunday's message. I think it would be a great blessing to you and very much help you in this journey of biblical stewardship. So it's called It Doesn't Make Sense for a reason. Uh, There are things in life that don't make sense. There are things in the kingdom of God that sometimes don't make sense to us. Uh, We haven't talked about it yet and we won't today, but one of the biblical principles we believe in at GT is the principle of tithing. We believe that God owns everything that God gave us everything that we have, and in return, God asks us to return 10% of our income back to him uh, for the work of ministry all over this world. For many of you, you feel like, man, that doesn't make sense. Like, I can't live on the 100% that I have. How can I live on 90%? That doesn't make sense, right? So that's the spirit of this series, and today I want to talk about helping you and helping me discover contentment in every situation of life. But before I get there, I want to start in the same fashion that I started last week with some things in life that just don't make sense to me, okay? This is my list. Uh, It's not the same list as last week. Uh, If you have a list, I'm sure you do. You can make your own, but this is my list. One of the things that I think doesn't make sense in my world, in our world, is that we allow foods, food jars to exist in the back of our refrigerator until the food grows a respiratory system. We have jars of food in our fridge that just, they just get shuffled to the back. And when you find that jar, you have no idea what was in that jar when you first put it to the fridge. Can anybody relate to that? Right? It doesn't make sense. Why do we let stuff linger in the fridge that long that we no longer can identify the food that was inside of it. Here's something else that for some of you makes perfect sense. And for some of you, this makes no sense at all, okay? It may not make sense to you that later today in 16 different stadiums all across this country, over 1 million people will have spent a lot of money to watch large men in pads fight over possession of an oblong ball. For some of you, that doesn't make sense. Additionally, 27 million viewers 
will watch that happen on TV. I'll be one of them. <laughs> but for some of you, you're like, well, that makes perfect sense. It's football. I love football. And some of you are like, I don't even care about football. It's so dumb. Like, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but, you know, it doesn't make sense for some of you. Here's another one that doesn't make sense to me. That the only undefeated team in the NFL is the Eagles. What? How many Eagles fans we got in the room? Come on. Yeah, all right. You're like, no, that makes perfect sense, Pastor. Of course they are undefeated. I don't know. I don't know if it makes sense. But um, the only one's left. So how about this? Um, this, again, it maybe does make sense, but in some regard it doesn't. The universe has 200 billion trillion stars, yet only one of them is needed to warm our planet. God has put into the universe 200 billion trillion stars, and only one is needed for life to be here on earth. That may not make sense to us. Maybe God just wanted to display his splendor and glory in the universe. Maybe he wanted to, us to seek him and to discover who he is, but for some, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Here's the last one, and then I'm going to jump into the words of Jesus. Um, for some of us, and for probably all of us, it doesn't make sense that I can own really nice things and have everything that I need, yet still I want more. Does that make sense? Is anybody awake? Come on, wave at me if you're with me, right? It doesn't make sense that we can have everything that we need and have a lot of nice things, and yet we still want more. There's this, this alluring nature of the world around us. You know, we don't want it to be that way. We are, you and I are called to be people of the kingdom. We are spiritual beings, and we shouldn't be allured by the contents of materialism. Yet, there are times when we find ourselves being drawn into the trap of wanting more. Many of us in this room have everything that we need. We've got the clothing we need. We've got the material things. We have a car we need, a home, the food. I, have, I don't live paycheck to paycheck. I've got more than I need. And yet, there's this thing in us sometimes, in our, in our fleshly nature, that wants more. What is that? Like, does that make sense to you? And I want to talk about today that inner struggle that for many of us is an ongoing battle in our lives. Now, some of you maybe are, are way more spiritual than the rest of us or even than me, and you don't ever feel drawn to material things. Think of Things that you see other people have, nice cars and homes and nice clothing and somebody's got nice shoes and they've got nice accessories and better golf clubs than I do and better, you know, they got a better phone. Like that person's got an Android and I've just stuck with my iPhone. Like it's just not fair, right? Come on. Anybody with me on this one? Y'all are, come on. I need some life in this room. Come on. But, there, but there's a real, a very real struggle that, that many of us have to find our way through. Finding contentment in a materialistic, consumeristic world. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Um, and I want to start with the words of Jesus. He is, 
in Luke 12, I'll be in the book of Luke, and he's teaching among the crowd. And while Jesus is teaching, a man in the crowd kind of raises his voice and asks Jesus to do something for him. This is the way the story goes on this gloomy Sunday morning. Luke writes, someone in the crowd said to him, I'm not going to read the previous context, but somebody said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Very real problem, right? If you know people who have lost parents and grandparents, sometimes families get divided over material things. Should not be that way, especially for people who belong to the household of faith, right, church? Like, you and I should never get caught up into a, a battle over inheritance and over objects and things and money. But this is a real thing. It's part of life. And so the man raises, I don't know if he raises his hand, but he gets Jesus' attention. Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds and says, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So he, he gives an answer. He says, it's not my place. Like, I'm not getting involved in your earthly affairs. But Jesus uses this moment to deliver some very powerful spiritual truths to the crowd. So it, Luke says, then he said to them, watch out. Everybody say the phrase, watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Notice Jesus says there's not only one kind of greed in this world. There are many kinds of greeds, many ways in which we desire more. In fact, the word that Jesus used in the original language of the, this writing here is actually a word that means excessive desire for more. So you and I, if we want more than we have and need, we are battling greed at some level. Now, sometimes it gets out of hand. Some fight it more than others. But Jesus is addressing this earthly, this craving of our flesh, of our human nature to always want more. So Jesus said, be on your guard and watch out against all kinds of greed. Listen to this eternal soundbite. For life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Mic drop, Jesus could have walked off. He says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Maybe somebody just needs to allow that, that statement to settle into your spirit today. The, the real stuff of life is not found in the stuff of life. The real stuff, the real content of real life is not found in things, in earthly goods, in material possessions. Yet there are times where we find ourselves so drawn into the trap of materialism, of keeping up with the Joneses, of wanting more all the time. Jesus isn't done now. So he goes on to give a parable. Now, if you're new to church, we had a lot of new people just having coffee with the pastor a moment ago. Um, if you're new to the church and to the Bible, a parable is a teaching device. It's, it's where the teacher basically makes up a story 
that delivers and illustrates a spiritual truth. Sometimes Jesus told stories about real people and sometimes he told stories about fictitious people that he made up simply to convey a spiritual truth. So a parable is a vehicle by which we learn something spiritual about heaven and earth. And so Jesus tells them a parable. This is how it goes. Luke said, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, so the rich man thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. <clears throat> Again, a story that Jesus is telling. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Some of you might say, wow, like, sounds like a good plan, right? Like, I, I like that retirement plan. Like, I've got enough. I can stop working. I can, I can put things away. I can eat, drink, and just enjoy myself. And I, I want to I take a timeout here. Everybody give me a timeout signal, okay? No, no, everybody. I see a lot of you just on your hands. Like, come on, timeout, right? Okay, because there are times where I think people can leave a church service, leave a teaching, leave a preaching, and walk away with an understanding that wasn't intended, right? Like there's times where you can leave here with a meaning of something that's not intended. The next part I read to you, that could happen, okay? So I'm going to read the remainder of this parable, and I want to take a moment then to give you how I understand what Jesus is saying. So here are the words of Jesus when he tells, again, this story of a man who says, I've got all I need. I've got a great harvest. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to store it away. I've got everything I need. I'm going to retire, eat, drink, and enjoy my life. And a lot of us are like, amen. That sounds great, Brother Ben. Like, let's do it. Here's, the, here's what Jesus said. This is the same parable. Jesus said, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And I'm sure that they could have heard a pin drop. Like a second ago in this room, you could have heard a pin drop. Like, wow, I'm kind of surprised by Jesus' response. Like, I thought it might be a little bit more understanding, a little bit more merciful. Like, well, is it wrong to retire from my work? and enjoy the remainder of my time here on earth. Jesus is about to explain what he means. That's why I gave us a timeout. I, I don't want you to leave here and tune out before you hear the rest of the parable. This is what I would call the punchline of the parable. This is what Jesus said. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. I want you to understand that Jesus is not judging or condemning this man for having possessions. He's judging him because the possessions have him. God is not condemning you and I for having possessions and having worldly goods. Much of that is needed in our lives. In fact, 
I started today by saying, everything you have is a gift from God. Everything that you have in your possession has come from God, so be grateful for it. Jesus is not telling this parable so that he can criticize and condemn this wealthy man for having possessions. The problem is that he is rich in this world, but not also rich towards God. And what Jesus in this parable is reminding us of is that abundance in this world without abundance towards God is vanity. And God does not want us to have vanity. Let me remind you again, let me give you another one. In, in 1 Timothy 6, I don't have this in the notes, but in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, Paul says that God richly blesses us with everything for our enjoyment. Everything that you have in your life has come from the hand of God. James 1 says every good and perfect gift is from above. And Paul said he gave that to you so that you could enjoy it. It is not wrong. Please hear me. This is the time out. It is not wrong that you enjoy your possessions. You just cannot let them take the place of God. God does not want to be displaced by things. And you can have abundance in this life as long as you are also rich towards God. This is the parable that Jesus gives. It's incredibly powerful. Man, you should read it this week on your own quiet time. Luke chapter 12, read it. Allow that, that sound bite. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Let that just kind of marinate over your spirit this week. Some of you are sitting here thinking, man, that sounds good. Like, I want to do that. I want to live like that. But how do I do that? Because sometimes Jesus gave us the what, but he didn't go on to give us the how. And I want to spend the remainder of this message talking through the how part of how can I live and enjoy my possessions, not allow them to become an idol in me and to me, and still be rich towards God. I think Paul has given us many different secrets to Contentment. I want to read to you a passage that Paul writes about 30 years after Jesus said that parable. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. This is what Paul wrote to a group of believers in a church in a city called Philippi. He said this, I am not saying this because I am in need. Paul writes this, listen to this. For I have learned. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. Paul said, I have learned to be content. Content simply means I'm satisfied with what I already have. Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. How many would love to know what that secret is, right? He goes on to say this. Listen to Paul. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Then he says again, I have learned. In fact, I want you to say that phrase with me on the count of three. Say those three words. One, two, three. I have learned. If Paul can learn the secret to being content, 
then you and I can also learn the secret to being content. And he says it this way. He said, I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. He didn't say there's a secret to, to most situations. There's a secret to contentment in some situations. Paul said, I have learned the secret to being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here it comes, Philippians 4.13, which many of you have memorized for many years. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, many of us have quoted that verse out of context. I'm not saying you're wrong for how you've used it, because Paul literally says, I can do all things. So if you've used that at work, at home, in your marriage, being patient, being loving to your neighbor, not screaming at somebody, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the context of that statement that you might even see on somebody's eye black if you watch football today, some players actually put Philippians 4.13 on their eye black. But the context of that phrase, that sentence, is on being content. And I've got to be honest, church, I never really knew that. I've read this passage many times in my life. I've been in ministry for almost two decades. But it never dawned on me this way that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's talking about learning the secret to contentment. Isn't that incredible? And so the first part of this, there's three things I'll give you today. But the very first part of being content is living in relationship with Jesus himself. Paul said, I have learned the secret to being content in every, every situation. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's because of Jesus and Jesus alone that you and I can learn to be content in any circumstance we find ourselves in. Here are three things, okay? I want to put a little bit of flesh on this. Here are three things that I believe Jesus can help you learn how to be content. The first one is this. In, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, Paul said this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Again, notice the focus on Jesus. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above. So one of the things that Paul tells us, I believe this is one of the secrets, the keys to unlocking contentment in our lives, is that we would allow Jesus to help us focus our mind on things above and not on earthly things. Paul says, set your hearts on things above. That literally means to set our affection on things above. And again, the battle is real. Many of us have trouble at times not setting our affection on the things of this life. The material goods that can be so appealing and alluring sometimes. 
we find ourselves allowing our affections to be set on earthly things. And Paul said, the way you fix that is to set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And the, 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 the audience is assumed. He said, you set your mind. You set your mind. You set your mind. You set your mind. You online, you set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And it says this, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Jesus can help you fix your focus in this life. If you, listen, if you want to be discontent, here's the trick, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to be discontent in life. All you have to do is focus on all the things that you wish you had and you don't have. Or look at all the things that your friends have that you don't have and focus on that. And I promise you, you will be discontent all the days of your life. But if you want to be content, Jesus can help you fix your mind, not on the things that you don't have, but on the things that you do have. And if you want to live with a sense of gratitude for what God has given you, it may not be as much as your neighbor or as much as your friend or as much as your coworker, but if you want to live with a sense of gratitude for what you do have, you allow Jesus to fix your focus away from what you don't have and on what you do have, which is Jesus and the possessions that he's given you. Number one, we ask Jesus to help us fix our focus. And I, I, let me just be really real with you. So um, let me take kind of a, a station identification here. Uh, in your downtime, you might enjoy certain kinds of programming on TV. You might enjoy sports or Lifetime movies. Some of you probably already started Lifetime Christmas movies. We will pray for you at the end of the service. Hallmark Christmas movies. You've already started them. God help you. Um, but if you're like me, if you're like me, when you watch TV at times, I like to watch two things, okay? I watch golf on TV. Some of you are like, oh, shoot me now, Pastor. Like, who watches golf on TV? I'd rather watch paint dry. Well, I'm a golfer. I enjoy watching golf on TV, okay? And I do like the NFL. I watch some college football too, but I like football. If you watch one of those two things, what do you see on TV during the commercial break 90% of the time? Cars, right? Cars. Now you'll notice, right? Now you'll notice if you watch football how many car commercials there are. Now maybe you could care less about cars, but I got to be honest with you. I like nice cars. I like cars. I think they're cool, right? I, I, now I have a great car. I love my Jeep. I've had it for six years. I'll have it for six more. But if I'm being real with you, and I'm watching football, and on the TV comes a, a, the GMC Denali Yukon XL. Oh, man, I'd like to have that car. That's a nice car. And then I grab my phone. I, I wonder what they cost. Going, well, I, don't, I can't afford new, but what about Auto Trader? Let me grab Auto Trader. How quickly, how quickly can we be distracted and disrupted into discontentment, all because of our focus. I'm watching football, it's fun, it's great. See a car commercial, oh man, like that's, 
a nice vehicle. I'd like to have that car. And all of a sudden, I hear auto trader. Like, um, how easy is it, church, to be drawn into the materialistic world? Again, maybe some of you, it's not cars. Maybe for you, it's clothing. Maybe for you, it's shoes. I don't know. Like, husbands, don't be elbowing your wife now, okay? But I can, I can tell you this. If, if there's a shoe commercial on TV, which I never see them, but if there's a shoe commercial on TV, it has no effect on me. I'm not grabbing my phone. I'm not going to Boscov's like, hey, what, hey, how much for those? No impact on my life. I'm not allured by shoes. But cars, man, like, you know what it is for you. You know what it is for you. And you, only you, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can control your focus. Look on what you do have, and you'll be grateful and content. Focus on what you don't have, but what you wish you had, and that is a recipe for discontentment. I have learned, I have learned the secret to being content in every, any and every situation. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can direct my focus away from the new cars and onto what I already have. I am blessed beyond what I deserve for what I have in my possession now. Fix your focus. The second part of this is perspective. Once Jesus helps you with your focus, he's also going to shift your perspective. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read this. He writes, keep your lives free from the love of money. Again, let me just take a quick time out here. Not many of us actually love money. We love the things that money can buy us, right? Am I, are you with me, right? Like, we don't necessarily love money. However, I like what money can get me. I like nice vacations. I like cruises. I want to go to Europe someday. I like, I want a new set of golf clubs. I want a, a new wardrobe. I, I need a new handbag. Like, what, I don't know where the handbag came from, but whatever it is for you. Hebrews says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Because money can become an idol so easily because of all that it can get you. What if we took our focus off of money and put our focus on God who blesses us richly for our enjoyment? Keep your lives free from the love of money. And there it is again. And be content. And be content with what you have Again, focus on what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. The writer of Hebrews tells us that the secret to being content is reminding ourselves that we have God and he'll never leave us or forsake us. That is perspective. The perspective that God is with us that we're found in him, that we have a relationship with the same God who put 200 billion trillion stars in the sky. The same God wants to be in a relationship with you. And you want to be free from the love of money and be content? Hebrews says, remind yourself that God will never leave you or forsake you. God wants to help us with our focus he wants to help us with our perspective. And the last thing is this. 
Jesus, knowing Jesus, grows our gratitude. Again, we live in a very material world. You are, you are, you are the target of consumerism. I am the target of advertising and marketing, and they're trying to get you like, for example, if you have an iPhone and you've been longing to upgrade to an Android, like there's a, an allure about that. You're drawn to one, an Android. I understand your need, okay? I get it. Some of you are like, whatever, Scott. Get up, move on from the phones already. Knowing Jesus grows our gratitude. I want you to tune into this verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but I want to read the second half before I show you the first half. The second part of this verse, Paul writes this, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've ever wondered, what is the will of God for my life? Paul said, this is God's will for you in, again, there it is again, in Christ Jesus. Where is my focus on Jesus Christ and him alone? Where do I set my affection on things above, not on earthly things? Paul said, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is it, Paul? Let's rewind to the first half of this verse. Here is the will of God for every single one of us under the sound of my voice. The will of God is this, to rejoice always to pray continually. It doesn't mean that you, you, you live your life in a closet and all you do is pray. No, what he's saying there is that we are mindful of our abiding relationship with Jesus all throughout the day. And all day long, I can be in conversation with the God who will never leave me or forsake me. Talk about perspective, church. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Look at this and give thanks in all circumstances. Remember what we read in, in just earlier in, in Philippians chapter four, Paul said, I've learned the secret to being content in any and every situation. Here we see it again. To give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The will of God as we allow him to fix our focus, to shift our perspective, is to be grateful in all circumstances. For that is God's will for your life. And I'm going to read one more verse today. Again, the, the summary of this. This goes, this, this started, we started today in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus gives us this this idea, the first time he said it to a crowd of people, thousands of people, he said, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. There's more to life than the stuff of life, Jesus said. And yet we're, this is a, a battle that many of us on a regular basis find ourselves fighting. We're drawn, we're, we're allured to the things, the nice, the shiny the objects, the material things of this world. And none of this, I would say, is wholly immune to that. Every one of us can be drawn away at times to, to wanting more 
and to not being content. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I want to I tell you today, because there may be, may be some of you here who you might be able to do everything I just said. You might learn how to control your focus. You might learn how to manage your perspective. Well, as long as I just think about all the people who have less than me, then I can be satisfied with what I have. And that's a perspective thing. And you might learn to be grateful, but if you do all of that, but fall short of knowing Jesus, <coughs> someday you'll stand before the God of this universe. You'll be naked before him and you'll have nothing to say. You're not taking your possessions with you. There's nothing going to heaven with you. The only thing that you need when you stand before God of heaven and earth is you have to have the assurance that at some point in your life on, in this earth that you've made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything I've talked about today, <clears throat> all of it's good. And a lot of it will help you be more content. But ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction and contentment is found in one place and one place alone. And that place is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to give you the chance today. We, we read in the Bible that Jesus walked on this earth for three years. He performed many signs, wonders, and miracles. He raised the dead. He healed people. He brought the kingdom of God to earth. Then the Bible tells us that he was persecuted. He was arrested. He was crucified on a cross. We learn that Jesus shed his blood as a payment for my sin and for your sin. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose out of that grave and ascended to the right hand of the Father so that he could make intercession for us. The Bible says that it's very, very easy to be right with God. All you have to do is make a decision to place your faith in that same Jesus. Believe that he died on a cross as a payment for your sin and believe that he rose again. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And we could talk about possessions all day long. We could, we could talk about gratitude and, and focus and perspective. But if you have not receive Jesus as your Lord, you are still leaving this room empty and naked before the Lord. And I want to give you the chance right now to change that situation in your life. I'd like everybody in, your, in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes very briefly. I'd like you to respect the privacy of this moment. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to the number three, if you are here today, or you're listening online and you do not remember a time when you made a decision to respond to the love of God and receive Jesus as your Lord. When I get to the number three, I'd like you just to slip up your hand and say, Scott, it's me. I don't remember ever making that decision. And today, 
I want to decide to make Jesus the Lord of my life. When I get to the number three, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Anybody in this room? We had several earlier at 9 a.m. Anybody in this room say, Scott, it's me. Scott, it's me. I want, to, I want to indicate today. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, Scott, it's me. I, I need to leave here today knowing that I know that I know that I'm right with God. Maybe you're online today. Maybe you're online and that's you. You can click on the link and we'll walk you through it. One more chance. Anybody else? Say, Scott, it's me. I want to make sure that I know Jesus as the Lord of my life. Thank you. I see your hand back there. Thank you very much. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. I'd like to invite everybody in this room, everybody online, you can pray these words with me. And as you pray this, while the words don't actually save you, the confession of your heart, your faith in Jesus is what saves you. I see your hand up front too. Is what saves your soul. Pray these words with me. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to do right now what no one else can do. On this day, I choose to place my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that he died on a cross to forgive my sins. And now, from this day forward, I will live for him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we celebrate that today? Come on. I saw at least three or four hands. Maybe you're online. Uh, they're going to put a link in the chat that you can click on and go to our website, fill out a form. We'd love the chance to follow up with you. Somebody will be in contact with you and help you begin this journey of following Jesus. Same thing in this room. Our ushers have a little bag with some information. They're going to hopefully find you. Maybe slip your hand up again. I would love to put that information in your hand. There's a booklet in there that helps you now answer the question, what do I do now? Now what? That I've made this decision. I came to church. I prayed a prayer. What do I do now? That book will help you with that. There's a card in there. We'd love to have a record of your decision and also connect with you and help you in this journey of following Jesus. So you can fill out that card, drop it off at the hub today, and we'd love the chance to follow up with you this day. Church, let's celebrate those who made that decision today one more time. <clears throat> Let me invite you to stand today. We're going to close this service in a word of prayer. Again, I know that many of you come with needs. If you have a need that you'd like prayer for after I dismiss us in prayer, you can come forward. We've got prayer team members, altar workers who would be honored to pray with you, to believe God, to storm heaven on your behalf and come together in faith, believing that God's going to move in your life today. And I want to pray for all of us. Every one of us at different levels battles this inner turmoil of contentment. You're going to go home today. You're going to live your life this week. And there's going to be times where you find yourself wanting more. And I hope that the Lord reminds you of what you heard today, that life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, that you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that you and I can learn to be content in any and every situation 
Jesus will help you with your focus and your perspective, and he will help you give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray today. Father, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to come together, to gather in this place, to worship the unchanging God of the universe. We sang today that, God, you are the same God. You're the same God who delivered David and who, who helped Abraham. You're the same God to your children today. And I pray that, God, you help every one of us in this battle of wanting more, of a materialistic world around us. Help us, God, to be content in any and every situation. For this is God's will for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray your strength and your power. And God, I pray your abundance in our lives, that you would richly bless us with all things for our enjoyment. And that, God, we would be willing to put you ahead of everything that we have in our lives. And help us, God, to be rich towards God and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you. Have an awesome, awesome day. We'll see you next Sunday.